Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 139 of the Galen Trombley Show. And this, I've actually been holding off on any restaurants because I wanted you to be my first restaurant tour owner, culinary guy that I've had on the podcast. I've known Dave, what, five, six years now, maybe? More than that. More than that? Yeah, yeah it's been, it's been six, a while. Six or seven. And uh, I like you. I love your food. <laughs> I like your business. So I uh, wanted to get you on. So Dave, people do not know you, kind of just give us a little rundown who you are, what you do. Um, yeah, how you got to 2021 Dave Allen. Ah, well, it's a long story, but <laughs> it's all right. Maybe, maybe got, I will take that hour. Time. Yeah. Um, well, I'm the owner of Latitude 44 Bistro. I've worked in a few restaurants in Plattsburgh prior to that. Um, I graduated high school over in Burlington. Um, did most of my younger schooling in Shazy. And went to culinary school over in Vermont, then traveled around and kind of ended up back here. A little um, time to spend with the family. And I just ended up sticking around. So, okay, so we'll go, like, why did you get into, why did you go to culinary school? Um, it's kind of the job that I just started with when I was young in high school and then really enjoyed it. Uh, I started at a, what was it, like a deli in a bowling alley for a while and then I switched over to Fletcher Allen and worked there all through high school and um it was I was kind of I've been I've been on my own for most of my life and one uh woman that lived downstairs from me in Burlington she saw my passion I'd go and ask her questions a lot about culinary and stuff like that she was a culinary graduate at New England Culinary Institute and one day she came in knocked on the door and she was like Hey, Dave, I set you up with an appointment to go check out Neki. Um, and I was like, I can't afford that, you know. Um, but I went on the tour, and then after the tour, I sat down with financial aid, and one thing led to another and got the opportunity to um, attend culinary school and loved it and really excelled at it and found my passion. So um, like, how long is culinary school? Like uh, how many years? What's this kind of course load? New England Culinary Institute was a two-year program with uh, two externships that you do each semester. You do one. Um, they last about six months. And I did um, one in Florida at the Breakers of West Palm Beach. It was a phenomenal place. Had a great opportunities there. And um, they had lots of restaurants. So I had opportunities to check out and learn a lot from some really great chefs. And um, really, really excelled there. And... Um, then came back, finished up school, and then I moved out to Las Vegas and stayed there for about a year and a half and worked at a famous French restaurant called Lutesse, which was really big in New York City after 9-11. They moved it to Las Vegas because, you know, it took a hit then. And then I came back home, like I said, and um, I met a girl and, you know, one thing led yes. to another and here so, I am. So, um, so at, at like, what... what so culinary, like culinary institute, culinary schooling. Like when you go there, like what is like the course load? Is it like they teach you 
you know, how to make food, what to make, different styles, different blends, different like how how spices and how tastes match and pair. Like, how, like what do you what do you learn when you go in there? Like day one, you show up. Like someone might have a background and can cook a little bit, but what gets you from being kind of like a a layman person in terms of cooking to someone that can excel at it and really like bring out the art of culinary, like or the culinary art. Yeah, well, New England Culinary Institute has a two-week block program where every two weeks you switch classes, um, and we, we take pretty much everything. You get the foundation of everything. They give you the basic knowledge, and then, you know, it's really up to you to go and excel at it. And, um, you know, with, with that, you, you know, you do some pastries, you do some baking, you do some savory, you do international foods, um, and then you can kind of find where you really enjoy being. Um, and then excel at that. You know, I, I, I did a lot of pastries and I kind of enjoyed it. Um, and I did well at it. And some of the instructors were kind of pushing me in that direction. But I, I really enjoyed the savory end of it. Savory being like meals and, and yeah, like, like, like what you do now. Yeah, exactly. Um, is, is that how is that kind of the two camps people go to? They go either to savory meaning food or they go to was it sweet pastries? Yeah, like sweet, sweet pastries or, you know, baking. Um, but is that kind of the common thing that you pick one of the two paths typically within like culinary or is there other um, pathways you could I take? Mean, you can, but you know, now that I own a restaurant, I've kind of taken on all paths. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do a lot of the desserts with my pastry chef and, you know, obviously I work on menus and savory type foods and I deal with the bar, I deal with the front of the house servers and, you know, so, I mean, ultimately, I mean, if you're not an executive chef of a big hotel or a cruise ship or something like that, you know, you own your own restaurant and then I think it's nice like that because you get to do everything. Now, when you went out to uh, Palm Beach and you went out to Las Vegas, how big were those places? The Breakers is gigantic. It's huge. It's a five-star, five-diamond hotel. Um, you know, celebrities, lots and lots of money. Um, obviously, West Palm Beach is a really no- known for its money. Um, and they had, ton- they had tons of restaurants. I think they had like, 12 different restaurants. They had two off-premise restaurants. And I had this the, is among the breakers. Yeah, right oh, in the okay. hotel. You should definitely check out some photos of it. Um, and I had the opportunity. I, I worked my ass off when I was there, and the, the executive chef of the hotel really saw saw how hard I worked. And I got the chance to work in every restaurant at the place. I mean, some days I'd go in at five in the morning. I'd work um, like making sauces and stocks and stuff like that, and then I'd go work at the the seafood bar. And then I, after the seafood bar, I'd leave to be over to Fathom at five o'clock, and I worked from five in the morning till eleven at night, and just do that over and over again. I just, I, I loved it. So at that point in your, how old were you at that point? Um, so it was two thousand and two. I was like twenty, two, twenty-three, twenty-three. And that was basically it. Like you said, you were just like immersed in the food. That was like you just ran around and you were just totally like bought in. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, it was it was epic. And then to, to have to, you know, like the difference in culinary out there in big cities and big hotels and fine dining, you don't see in Plattsburgh is you're surrounded by people in the industry that have went to culinary school and share that passion. You know, I find in Plattsburgh, you know, some people got into it and you know, it's, you know, it's what they did, but you know, maybe it wasn't the direction they wanted to go. How many, how many, uh, like, do you know other people in Plattsburgh? Do most people go to culinary school or a lot of people are just people that kind of start restaurant to get a cook here and there? Not, and they- not so much in this area, you know, you'll find it more in the cities and where, you know, really dining communities so are. So it is rare for, I say rare, but more rare for someone to go to culinary school, open up, a, you know, an actual restaurant than it is someone just to kind of start it without doing the, the education portion of it. They might have the skill set. They might have a good, like, you know, natural or they've taught themselves. 
but it's different than going to culinary school, meaning like you're one of few that have done that it, locally at least. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not that you can't do it, you mm-hmm. know, but it, it gets you a good head start. Yeah. Um, now Las Vegas, was that also, that was another five-star restaurant? Yeah, the, the French at, restaurant at, at the time it was um, when it was in New York City. It was the be- it was known for, as the best French restaurant in the United States. Um, and like I said, they moved it over there, and I worked there, and I had a blast. They started off with like garmage and which is salads, cold. Okay. Um, and by the time I left, I was uh, chef tournot, which I was basically covering everybody's station on their days off, which was kind of horrible because you're just left with a mess. But um, but you got to probably try a lot of stuff and really try like expand of, everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you consider latitude? What style? Um, you know, because it, it feels like you have a little bit of like the French flair there. Well, at that's times. That, that's basically where I'm trained, and I really enjoy the French cuisine and their sauces and the presentation. Um, so a lot of flair. But like I said, I had the opportunity to work in a lot of local restaurants here, so I kind of. I saw what Plattsburgh wanted. Mm-hmm. I always say that if I were to, had got out of culinary school, came right to Plattsburgh, opened a restaurant, I probably would have failed within the first year because you know what I was doing in culinary school isn't really what Plattsburgh desires. Because um, I would think you'd have to be a little more well-rounded in Plattsburgh versus a, a niche, like if or a niche market. Like if you go to New York City and you're a French restaurant, like you have enough of demand to to keep that place running. Versus coming to Plattsburgh and maybe diving too much into a, a kind of a niche and then maybe failing because people aren't as maybe their maybe their tastes or or their palates not as uh, you know maybe is a little more basic at times. Is that fair to say? Or is... I mean, we we have a, a smaller dining crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a smaller town, so I mean, there's a smaller crew that really in, enjoy you know good cuisine and. Um, presentation and things like that you know i mean there's a lot of chains in plattsburgh yeah and, and you and you, you drive by and you look at you know some of the chains and they're packed um so i mean one of the things like what i i'm trying to think from a chain restaurant minus like chipotle i really don't go to a lot of like for dinners i don't i really try to hit like the main like the local establishments um one the food's better and two i just rather support someone that's actually like you like it's just you. It's kind of like our company. It's like, we don't have any, like we're the, we run the company from the top down where like you don't answer to a you know, franchise or you don't have someone telling you what to do. Like if you want to change up, cause a few years ago, like if you want to change your menus or when you did some remodeling to the, uh, you know, to the, um, the restaurant, that was you making the decision. You have to run it by anybody. Yeah. And that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that freedom. It's that, is that now when you went into, like you worked for other people, was that kind of the thing you wanted? The freedom, the way to express yourself, make decisions, kind of just like sail your own ship kind of deal? Um, I guess if you were speaking to the younger me, I, at that time, I don't think I ever really wanted to own a restaurant. You know, I, I kind of enjoyed working in fine establishments, working under great chefs, you know. But when I came to Plattsburgh and I worked in a few establishments here, you know, there wasn't really much for a future mm-hmm. for, you know, and it was either move out of Plattsburgh or I had this opportunity to start my own restaurant and go at it. And, you know, fortunately it worked out. Do you find, and I'm always curious, like when you take like artists or people that have skill sets, taking the love of doing something. So in your case, the love of food and the love of, of, um, culinary, can I say, is that what you say? Love of culinary? Yeah. Does that make sense? Culinary, okay. I think yeah. I always want to like culinary something. So like, the love of food and, and the whole art behind it, taking that 
which is like an art form. And then also then now, okay, now I got to start a business. So then you go from the art to now I got to run a business, which is not, it's totally different. And you got to blend the two, which takes time away from the art because you're running the business, you're doing the payroll, you're like I said, front of house, back of house, you know, and like you go in your office in the back, you're, you're prepping, you're doing everything, scheduling. Do you find that was that hard to make that transition where you got away from, you had more responsibilities than just the actual art of food? That was a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I struggle with that on a daily basis. You know, um, you know, it's constantly like trying to be out in the kitchen. Like yesterday, I came in, I planned on focusing on, you know, getting back to caterings and doing paperwork and servers books and all of that payroll and things that I need to do in my office. Then we got slammed for lunch. So I was spent, you know, four hours out there running around, cleaning tables, pouring drinks, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's constantly battling that. I'm, I'm, I'm I always feel like I'm behind. <laughs> yeah, and I I, I uh, that's something I always feel here too, and it's kind of one where it's never like bad. It's just trying to find time to do that next that next level stuff for the business. Like try like you said, when you want to sit down, I'm gonna okay, I got some quiet time. I'm gonna work on some on business, some stuff, and all of a sudden you're thrown, you're thrusted back into the business, and it's um that's like the hardest thing is me being at least in my business like re- i got a really 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 um what's the word uh diligent or uh disciplined Di- i'd be really disciplined to keep that time free in my calendar and it's tough because things just like overflow and then i'm running and i'm like trying not to miss appointments or trying not to miss things i need to get done but it's tough because things like like you said all of a sudden you got a lunch crowd that comes in they have their needs need to be met now Otherwise, it's a bad reflection of your business. So you're like, you know what? Those bills will, will will have to wait or the paperwork. So then the paperwork ends up being early morning, late at night, on the weekends, or some other random time that you have. Um, I just think it's a struggle of like small business owners. It's like oh, I don't think people realize when you strip back everything, everything behind the scenes that people don't see, which takes up most of your thought process. I'm I'm assuming that the food aspect is like the fun part for you and also probably – more um like the second nature part of it where you almost like do it you don't really have to think about it you enjoy it and then you're probably more focused on the back end stuff of the business than maybe some of that because that's like so ingrained that you're like it's like me when i go show houses or or do listings like that stuff's easy for me like i've understood i understand it i know how to do it i'm really good at it my mind's constantly worrying about the back end stuff that people won't even see sure and Is that the same for you or? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, you know, when we do our weekend features, you know, Friday, Saturday, we, you know, we get together, we talk, we collaborate with the other chefs and we create these great dishes. And I really enjoy that, you know, and you know, that's something that you you hear from most chefs that end up running a business or or a hotel or something is you kind of get, you lose a little bit of that, what you really enjoy doing. The love of it. The love of the the cooking. And so when you come up with, uh, how often do you do specials? Is it just weekends or is it? Well, we do them every night, but on the weekends we really we you know we we we, we try to outdo ourselves a little bit. Um, so typically, when I go to your restaurant, I, my favorite food on your menu, like your, your normal menu, is without the specials. Is I love this uh, crab stuffed sole. Mm-hmm. Like that is I don't for some reason I just and I'm not a big fish. Like I like fish, but I don't usually order often. For some reason, when I go to your place, that's one of my favorite things to order. But I. I would say nine out of 10 times, I just get one of the specials when I go. I just like, I look at them like, and like Ashley, whatever. I'm like, Ash, what is your special tonight? And just say, well, 
we got this and we got this. I'm like, let me just see the menu. And I usually go like whatever the app is, whatever the food is. And then if I'm with Gina, there's obviously she's getting dessert. So we usually end up like tacking on one of the desserts or, poutine. <laughs> or, you know, Gina, yeah, she's going to just be like, Dave, can you make me something special? So, but, um, how does that process like happen when you guys come up with like the specials? Cause I love, like, I love going in not knowing what they are and they're always amazing, but I just like, like the variety of it. I mean, that, that constantly changes, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a, some product out there that I haven't worked with in a long time and I want to, you know, nowadays with the cost of everything is skyrocketing. It's making it really challenging to run a business. Um, everything's unbelievably expensive right now. And, you know, now we're trying to balance not raising our prices too much, you know, um, to keep up with this. Um, but, you know, like now I'm kind of like a lot of it's based on pricing right now. Mm-hmm like trying to create the specials, you know, finding good deals on stuff that I know my customers will like and then creating, that's the easy part is creating, you know, it's ma- making sure we're doing what's right for the business as well. So when you, when you, what's your focus when you're trying to create a, say a special, say it's, I pick, pick any kind of, pick a meat or fish or whatever your like, your staple is. And like how, like if you said we're doing a, like say, a, I don't know, say a pork special tonight, like what would go, what would like your thought trigger at that point? Like, you just say I got pork, and then, like, where does it go from there? Um, or whatever. Keep well, well, like for this weekend, you know, or... we're doing halibut and duck. So you know, I, I've started working on our weekend features early in the week. You know, my my sales guys got to me. They're like, "Hey, we got halibut at this price. You know, and it's a decent price. And we ha- I haven't worked with duck in a long time, and I wanted to do a nice duck breast. And from that point." You know, throughout my week, maybe some things that we have in the walk-in or, you know, maybe I go to the farmer's market on Saturday or walking through, you know, price shop and I see something and I'm like, oh, you know, cherries, they look great. They're beautiful. Duck and cherries, you know, and that's kind of how that would work. So when, when you, uh, like ducks and cherries, like what's the pairing there? Is that, do you, is that something you just think would be good or is that something just through t- trial and error, you know, goes well? Well, it's a pretty common pairing, you know, with, with and duck, this is- but... And that would be stuff that you had like learned it's in maybe at school or just through working with it. Just kind of like you know what goes with duck. Like here's like ten things that are pretty good compliments of a duck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you you, you know your flavors and your flavor combinations, and you know that duck's kind of a fatty, rich type of meat, and you want something maybe sweet or acidic to kind of cut that down, so they you know pair well at, at the final product. You know, a lot of times like you think of like seasoning things that I always tell my chefs when they like make a vinaigrette, for example, you know, not to just taste the vinaigrette because that's like a very potent mm-hmm. thing that you're putting in your mouth. So you really should kind of like dip a lettuce leaf in it because you're, you're, you're going to be seasoning that whole dish with this. So you want to make sure your flavor is correct, not just by the spoonful, but for the whole dish. Um, that, see, that's the, that's the science part of it of like, I mean, it's an art, art science, whatever you want to call it, but like there's so much more to food than just like when you put it out there, like you get the meal, like, oh my God, this looks amazing. And it tastes fantastic. But all the like details that you put into making it that, that like, I, I don't see, I just get to enjoy the final product. But like, I'm always curious, like how you built that, like how you built that whole thing, the look, the taste, the, the sauce, like how do you pick what sauce you want? Like what, or three sauces could work. What kind of nudges you in one direction versus the other? Um, again, it goes back to, you know, what's, what's available, what we have in our walk-in. Maybe there's, you know, a a case of oranges that we want to utilize up that are kind of there and we don't really have anything to do with it. You know, we'll make a nice orange reduction or something like that. Um, so a lot of it, you know, is driven by cost of goods and, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure you're utilizing all your product without letting things go bad. 
and and then I mean again having just kind of you almost like like we had Craig on yesterday, so Craig like talked about guitar, like yeah. And I know, do you play guitar? No. Okay. So trombone. Oh, no, no, maybe, trombone. Trombone. <laughs> so, but if you like, so say you're sitting there playing a guitar. Like people that know how to play guitar, like you got like the G and the D and the C chord. You have like the basic chords, but then you could sit there and like you can play like the G scale on the guitar all the way up and down the fretboard, mm-hmm. and you're still within that scale. I kind of look like food would be similar in that, like whatever the take, like you said, duck, like you know kind of what the let's call it like the duck scale is. Like this pairs with this. This is a good taste. This is a good way to cook it. This is a good sauce, and you can metaphorically play the the culinary guitar on this food yeah and and kind of bounce around but people that understand guitar understand the theory of it and understand all the scales and like the they can kind of play it on almost every fret where you're looking the same way like here's the duck and i can go a million different directions where someone like me who's like very layman would be like okay so how do i cook a duck and then like what's a okay rub and then i'll like look up a rub online but I don't know what goes into it. Someone else has already thought for me. I just do it. Where you can look at it and you can come up with from scratch something that would like be perfect for it just from like you just understanding all the nuances of the food. I, I mean, I just think it, I just think it's impressive because it's like such a like as I've gotten older and like really looked at like fine dining and the people that know what they're doing. It's like how because I, I look at stuff. I'm like, how did they? Okay, you get the vegetables. How did they cook the vegetables? Did they steam it? Did they saute it? Did they, you know, and then you start going into, uh, I mean, like there's so many different ways you can cook meats. Like, I mean, ha- like how do you pick which, which way you want to cook the meat? Do you want to do a roast? Do you want to do a sear? Do you want to do um, some type kind of grilled thing? Like, I mean, how does that go into it? If you wanted to like roast something versus sear it versus like say beef, like how do you, what causes you to pick one way or the other? Um, well, with that, I mean, obviously the cut of meat, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what to cut, if you have like a shank or something like that, you don't want to just sear it. You got to braise it to make it tender for your, your customer. Um, and then, and then after you, you've realized how you should prepare that meat, you got to look at how your line's going to serve it. Is it easy for them to get out in a timely order and manner for the customer? You know, if, if it's something where you, you're giving your grill guy way too much stuff on the grill and he's going to get backed up through through the shift and then food's going to go out slow. So you got to take that into consideration too. Um, how do you go about how much to have in stock or how to, how much to like to have a supply of? Um, well, over the years are, are, are luckily, I mean, my business is very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we stay, we stay steady. Um, and the numbers kind of are very consistent with the business. So it makes it very easy on my part. Um, because if, if you're not having that consistency or if you're not utilizing your product, you know, then you're wasting it. And, and are you good about limiting the waste? Cause like say something you have special and you don't I, I, like, I don't know. Say you have a special and how many do you think meals would you account for on a typical weekend night for specials? That, that would really depend on what I'm putting out there. Um, and a lot of that is, is just experience and, mm-hmm. you know, working in this industry for years and knowing our area. You know, if I put foie gras or something like that, you know, I'm going to be sitting on it. I'm probably going to be taking it home to eat it. But, um, you know, something like Crab Stuff Soul, which is, like you said earlier, you really enjoy it. And that's probably not something I would have had on my menu, you know, coming out of culinary school. But, you know, learning the area, learning what people want, um, it ended up on the menu. And I know it's going to sell well. 
Yeah, I think it's really good. Whatever that like the sauce that you put in it is, yeah, it, it's like roasted red peppers. You can't go wrong with them. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's like it doesn't seem like a very intricate thing, but it's just the palate, like the 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 mixture of the food and the taste is just great. Like I I've always enjoyed it. Um, so the the I I would guess that it's better to run out of a special than it is to overdo it and then have the waste. Or can you use whatever a special it, no, like before in another meal? No, obviously. I mean, yeah, we love well. It's good to run out of them because we did we did well and yeah. our guests really like. It. I don't like to ever run out of anything because I you know I want I, I don't like our service having to go oh sorry we're out of this, um, but yeah. So if we have something that doesn't sell a certain way, I mean maybe the next day we'll you know r- r- come up with a different idea for it or do it in a different way and maybe that could be the app for the day like a special app or something special like, say, app like a duck, or, like you or, or we could turn it into a soup or something like that you know utilize it in a different way and sometimes I've, I've even said to my chefs that if we type something on a menu we could put out the same dish but if we reword it or say it in a different manner mm-hmm. it sells yeah you, you know yeah or you could pair it with something different you, you, like, you, you could have duck two nights in a row but the next night might be just have a few different nuances to it or you cook it slightly different but it's still the same cut. Yeah, exactly. And switch it up. So when, and I've always, I'm always curious of this, like in a, in a lot of restaurants, but like if somebody comes in, duck, fish, steak, beef, chicken, you have all these different varieties of, of um, you know, the pizzas or the flatbreads, the, the appetizers. What's the prep like for that? Like if I come in and order, say I'm at a table of six people and we all order, like do you just wait for the order and then start from scratch or is there a lot of stuff kind of like already like, ready to go and you can kind of do it semi quick or like, how does that process work? Cause it's different than like fast food, like fast food. They're just like, we're just constantly making the same items over and over again. You have obviously a big menu and it could change. You could sell like a lot of one thing one day, a little bit less on another day. And like, how do you, what's the, like the prep or the preparation for that? No, you, you'll often find that one day, like something might sell, you know, a, a bunch of it. And then the next day we won't sell any. Um, but we do try to kind of always get most of our food almost to the level. I'll take like beef dips. Uh, you know, it's a really popular one on our, our, our menu. So we have like the mushrooms kind of par sauteed. So, it, it, you know, it, if we had mushrooms that we had to saute from the get-go, it would take a little bit longer. So we're trying to prepare the food so we can do them fast um, and, and get them out, but not lose quality. Yeah, so it's always like kind of you've done like the, the basic stuff first, and then you finish it off for the meal. Exactly. Because yeah. um, I'm always that was always something I was curious. Cause I'm like, do you just like get the order and then from scratch like go in the freezer and like I say freezer the the refrigerator or uh, or the cooler and grab like the cut of meat and then just start seasoning it and then put it down and like build it from scratch or it's like you kind of already have stuff kind of prepped and seasoned and it's just ready to go as you pull it out you cook it to a certain way certain temperature. Yeah, meat, I mean, we'll pull right out and season it and put it on the grill. But, you know, going back to, like, the beef tips, I mean, we'll have some of our sauces reduced and ready to go, so, you know, um, so it doesn't take as long to do it. It's not really changing the dish in any way. It's just getting it ready. And So what's, a, like, a re- when someone says a reduction on sauce, what is that? It's basically just taking any type of liquid. I mean, you could even take a juice and just, you know, slowly um, simmering it to let, the excess liquid out of it which will amplify your flavors and a lot of times um like thicken, thicken it, it yeah um, due to sugars or um other type of things in so th- that's like um like when you do like a reduction from like maybe beet um uh, like when you have fat dripping like um i'm trying to think like a roast say you had the, the the roast it drips out you have the fat you can put that in typically with like some starch or something like that and then it turns it into almost like a gravy 
Yeah, I mean, you'd get all the jus that would fall off from the roast, which would be the flavor mixed with the salt and anything else that you seasoned it. And you could take that fat and, you know, put a little flour in it and some butter to make like a roux to thicken that sauce, which would end you at a gravy. Um, I did that one time. It was like a roast and I ended up putting like mashed potatoes and I had that on it. It tastes good. Like I don't always get to do stuff, but um, one of the best things I made at this was a couple years ago for Thanksgiving. I remember I was sitting at the gym. We were talking. And I was like, yeah, I got to cook this. I was going to like deep fry it. What like, was it? The turkey? It's turkey. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you're like, yeah, like don't deep, don't, don't deep fry it. I'm like, well, what's the best thing? You're like, put it in the oven for like, I don't know, like 250 or something low. It was like a really low number. Oh, yeah. And you're like, just let it go for like 10 hours. And I'm like, oh. And like you're like, I promise this is the best way to do it. So like I looked at my clock and I'm like, you said what? Ten hours? Like yeah, I'm like, I gotta go. Like I literally left, went straight <laughs> to the gym, like no shower, like prepped this whole thing, put the bird in. That was the god. That was the best chick or best turkey I've ever had in my life. Her grandmother, like my uh, my wife's grandmother, seasoned it, so she had already given us that prior. Mm-hmm. And I had put this thing in. It was the best turkey I've ever had. And I don't remember what the time was. It was a long time at a very low heat, and it just came out and was perfect. Like whatever you said, almost to the t- like the second, I was like. Dave's a genius. Like, this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think everybody should have a probe, you know, so they can tempt things. I think a lot of us are, you know, our parents cooked for us and overcooked everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, turkey, I mean, I, I love cooking large meats, prime rib, turkey, things like that. So, so when you guys are working at, um, so like, say so you get meats, you're always probing it for temperatures. So when you get like, like a certain temperature, when you do like a steak and you want someone to, like medium rare, that's... Is that a certain temperature that tells you it's medium rare or is it a lot of like the eye test? Is it like, I mean, what test, how yeah. do you get the steak right? When we're doing steaks on the line, we usually do it by feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you get a sense of what things feel like when they're at a certain temperature, but um, large products, you know, you use your probe because you can't really squeeze it um, to really tell. Um, and I always like to take them out a little bit earlier than what they're supposed to be because the bigger pro- the meat product is, it, the more it'll still cook after you take it out. And the smaller it is, it doesn't cook as long. So, so like when I'm doing it and I, I don't know, you might've told me that before, but I, that's something I like when I do and stuff like on the grill, like for steak, I always pull it off slightly early. I typically like might put foil around it or something just going to keep the heat in, but knowing that it's going to keep cooking after and it, you're not supposed to like cut into it right off. You're supposed to let it sit for a little bit. Yeah, definitely. You let it sit for, you know, a small steak like that, at least five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And it lets all the molecules that were, you know, all revved up because of the heat slow down, relax. And then when you cut it, the blood's not running all over. You don't want that. You want that. You want to eat that. That's that's all flavor and moisture. Um, what's your preference for a steak? How do you take it? Um, I'm, I mean, I, I like it medium rare to rare, but I, I could eat it raw too. Really? Yeah. I, you know, I, so anything above medium rare gets a little too done for you. Um, it, it depends on the product, you know, like duck, I kind of like medium to medium rare. Um, not rare. It, it, it's just something gamey meats a little bit different. Too chewy at that point. They, yeah. They get a little, and, and, and their flavor, it just, it's just perfect at medium rare. Have you ever, uh, worked with bear? Um, I don't think so. A lot. Do people cook bear? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I had bear one time and I got it and it, it, it kind of just, it was, like, it was very meaty, just like a steak almost. It was like a, it wasn't a steak, but it was like similar in style. And I said it was bear. I mean, it all kind of tastes the same. It had a little bit of a different flavor. Um, I know like rabbit's super lean, right? Yeah. Rabbit's like, nice and lean. 
it's got a good flavor. I mean, m- most of the game meats are all very similar in how you would cook them and what you do or okay. add You do flavors. a lot with uh, venison, right? We we do bison. We or is it bi- bison, oh, bison yeah. burger? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, bison's been really popular in the area. So we've we've uh, we got a burger and a sirloin. And I like the I, the bison burger is really. Good. I've always got. I I think Gina gets the sirloin a lot. I, I've had the bison burger for lunch. It's a great lean cut, and you know it was really popular with the CrossFitters. You know, what what's your favorite kind of meat to work with? Oh, that's a good question. I I, I love meat. Um, I like steaks. I I, I really enjoy do, doing dry aging. Um, uh, New York strips, prime rib, like uh, how does rib that, eye. How does that work? Um, where we'll take a product and we'll 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 keep it in certain conditions, so it, it kind of dehydrates the meat. Um, the, with this time process too, it breaks it down, it tenderizes it and you get like this really dark red, um, meat and it's, it's got this really nice flavor to it. If you let it go longer, it almost gets kind of funky flavor, like a, a blue cheese or you might think it's bad, but. So you keep it, you keep that just in like a cooler or just sitting or yeah, is that? Yeah. Just in a cooler when, uh, you know, the right conditions where the humidity is, um, low and, um, just let it sit. We let it go anywhere from 45 to 110 days. We've got some in the walk-in right now and at, our, at the restaurant, and it's actually ready. We're, we're talking about doing it this weekend. Do you, do you have to seal it up or anything, or just kind of let just the, like you said, the low humidity just kind of like do its thing? We do seal it up. We use a, a product that's specially designed for dry aging. Okay. It's a bag that it lets the moisture escape, but doesn't let anything in. Well, now, what when it comes to, um, and this is all raw meat at the time. Yeah. Um, and is the taste once it's done? Is it do you think better or just different? Like just a unique taste? I think it's personal preference on it, but mm-hmm. I think it's better. You know, it, it's got a. I, I always like to say like a funk to it. You know, sometimes you'll even cut off a little mold off the top of it. it, it it'll start to mold on the outside a little bit, and that's fine. Yeah. It, it, can you eat like like mold on food? Do you know you're not supposed to eat you're that? Not, you're not really supposed okay. to. Okay. I wasn't sure. Like, I always throw it out. But then some people said, like, because cheese is mold, right? Or well, it's a mold. different type of mold, yeah. But, you know, something that grows in your cooler, um, you probably really shouldn't eat that. And, and a lot of our parents, too, I, I haven't done much research into it. But, you know, like, if it bread had mold on it or something, you probably shouldn't be, cut it off and eat it because mm-hmm. the spores kind of go into it. But, I mean... I mean, I've never I, ate mold, but I always wonder. I'm like, because you just said like you can cut off the mold, and, but it's kind of like anything. You I, cut I, like a piece of bread off and keep eat the rest of the bread because it's still like. I think a little bit of it's good for us, you know. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's more psychological. Like I look at it, I'm like, ah, it's mold. It's gotta be bad for me. You just kind of like toss it, but it's like you said, probably it's probably not a bad thing. Probably boosts our immune yeah, system. Yeah, I mean, a bit. I think especially after COVID, we're all gonna need it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, now brining. How does that? What's the process of brining, and what's the purpose of brining? Because that takes some prep too, right? Or at least time, just waiting. Um, I mean, it d- depends on the size of the product. You know, if you go back to your turkey, you probably want to brine it for 24 hours or so. You know, it, it you get salt in there and it, it, it gets into the meat and moisturizes it and um, but, adds a lot of flavor. But brining is keeping it in salt water, right? Yeah. And it sit in salt water? Yeah. Um, salt, sugar, um, sometimes some acid. You know, it helps tenderize it, helps laser flavor, um, helps moisturize it. And you trap that in and then you put that product in the oven at a high temperature. You coat the out like you crust the outside of it and then once you get to that nice golden brown beautiful look that you're looking for you bring the temperature down super low and then let it cook 
And that's not going to affect anything else. That low temperature is going to be like that low and slow and just let it roll. Low and slow. Just, in, just high heat for a little bit to get a nice crust on the outside of it. Get that, you know, Martha Stewart beautiful roast look. And then um, bring it down nice and slow and let it cook. And like, so steaks, when you put them on, like I put them on the grill. The steaks, you pretty much just put them on for a couple minutes and flip them a couple minutes and let it go. At the restaurant, we do it a lot different with the steaks. I mean, we'll we have a very high grill, high temperature. We'll grill the steak. Um get the nice marks on it and then we'll actually once we have the marks we'll we'll pull it off the grill and put it in the oven to finish it and okay that, and that's generally how we do it in the, the, gr- the grill same thing low and slow and just let it just kind of like high heat on the grill you know get those nice marks and then once you have your marks and the presentation look at you then we cook it slow hmm. I, i'm always curious like how to cook steaks so like when i when i do it i typically just like it usually comes out i mean for me decent enough i'll eat it but like Throw it on, let it sear, turn around, let it sear. And I'm only putting it on for like maybe three minutes each side, four minutes. And just kind of enough to, depending on the cut. Yeah, it just depend, um, depends on the size. Yeah, a little thinner, you know, thinner, a little bit less. But um, usually when I'm in a pinch, I usually just put salt and pepper and just sear it like that. It tastes fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just two different methods. I mean, some people like grills. Some people like a hard cast iron sear on their steaks. Both are really nice. They give you a little bit different product. Yeah, it's, um, searing on a on cast iron, could you sear would you sear in butter? Is that how you would sear it mostly? Um, or oil? I, I usually would use the oil um, and then maybe finish with the butter. You okay. know, you, you sear it hot because butter has a what they call a smoking point. It burns yeah. really easily. So you're getting, you know, some bad flavors incorporated in there. Um, like a blended oil of some kind, canola or something like that, vegetable oil. They smoke at a very high temperature so you can sear it without Because olive oil is low too, right? Uh, yeah, you don't want to... You don't want to cook with olive oil i always think of olive oil as more of a finishing product you know with vinaigrettes or you know if you if you wanted to like drizzle a fancy olive oil over your steak afterwards i I always find that olive oil is like because people know it's like there's there's good fats to it and monosaturated fats and stuff so people always think i gotta cook with with olive oil and i try not to but it's it's uh it's always one i think in the back of people's minds like that you gotta cook with it it's good and then i'm like "I, i know this about the smoke point i'm like i don't think with all my research, I used to cook a lot, uh, cook a lot with coconut oil, which I think kind of yeah. had a pretty good smoke point where you could saute it and use. I yeah. used to do my eggs in coconut oil a lot. It's got a pretty intense flavor. It does. It does. Yeah. So I mean, if you want that flavor all the time, yeah, that's fine. But you know, and you know, I, I I don't get caught up so much in you know the health aspect. Everything in moderation. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think too when you're cooking like good food because it's not like you go to your place and you're just like serving up fried chicken, pizza, like all this stuff. I mean, you have those on the menu. Most of your most of your meals, I would say, are fairly balanced meals. Like if you were to go say, you got your vegetables, you got your meats, you got like a starch, you got like something like that. Like pretty much every one of your meals is like boom, boom, boom. You have those. No, and we we try to keep things healthy for our customers. I mean, that's another difference with our chain. You got an owner that's sitting here that you know I communicate with my customers every day. I know these people. You know, I want to take care of them. Yeah, you're, you're good about going out and talking to people. Like, I see you a lot, dude, at least when we go. Like, you see us, but I always see you kind of mingling around and talking. And of course, you know people because they've been going. But you're good about getting out from behind the kitchen and talking to people. And I think kind of almost like market research. Like, how did it taste? Did, you know, did, what did you like about the – because you've asked this before. What did you like about this? What did you like about that? You know, and I think for you, it's it's validation. But then it's also like, okay, you guys are my test subjects, basically. Like, I think it's good. But, like, what you know, you're my customers. And how does that – yeah, a lot, of, a lot of times I'll have to listen to the servers because, you know, if I walk out, they, they, sometimes they're not horribly honest with me if they if they didn't love something. But 
Uh, you know, I listen to my servers. Another great thing that people wouldn't think about is, you know, I, I look at my dish deck when dishes come in. You can see how much food's on the plate. Oh, true. You know, see if somebody ate that. A lot of times I'll be walking by, rushing through, and I'll see a server walk through with a plate, and I'll notice that there's a lot of food on it. I'm like, well, did they not like it? You know, what's going on? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's probably a pretty good telltale sign. Besides the fact maybe someone wasn't hungry, most of the time it's probably... And that's usually what they say. You know, they go, oh, they got a big appetizer, and they weren't that hungry or something like that. Yeah. Um, the one thing... My favorite thing about, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but like when I go to your restaurant, like I, I usually, cause it's like one time we have like no kids, we get to go out. It's kind of like a nice, like little date thing, yeah. but you get like getting like an app, getting them like one of my favorite things to do with Gina is like, go get an app, get a meal, get a dessert, get a drink before, get a drink during. And then at the end, get my coffee. Like, I just like the, the whole, like whatever it might be, say it's an hour and a half, two hours. I just like the whole like relaxation and just like the courses of a meal. Um, when you worked at the other restaurants, is that something you like strive to have? Was just kind of like that. I know a lot of restaurants have it, but I don't get the vibe if I go to like a chain restaurant. Like I don't want an app. I don't want a dessert. I don't want it. Like I find like I just go get a meal, you know, and then we bounce. Where I like go to your place and I'm like I want like every course because they're the so experience. good. Yeah. yeah, it's more of an experience for me, and that's and that's the one thing I I miss during. Uh, covid when everything was shut down i'm like i the food's fantastic but i said i like just going in just like the ambiance because i think i like i like your restaurant like it's small it's intimate it's got a great just like vibe where you can go hang out with some people and it's um i think it's it's not overly loud it's quiet you can have a conversation with people you don't feel like you know you're out in the middle of this big place and you just see things all going all like i find like it's just a very nice like quiet setting where you can go and like have a meal and relax and like unwind from the get-go that's what we were looking for you know Mm -hmm. we're a bistro for a reason you know and back when bistro started you know families would create a dish for for their 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 personal family and then make a little bit more to sell and that that's how bistros kind of became a thing from france and moved over this way um and with that being said we never took reservations because we never wanted anybody to be rushed out if you come and sit at the table at you know four or five o'clock you know it's your table all day Mm -hmm. you know enjoy the experience and and really you know that it is a great experience like you said you know having all those courses and having just the right buzz after having a few drinks and then mm-hmm. enjoying your company and you know the nice ambiance so, so look a couple of things i want to ask is where did the name come from i have an idea why but i mean like what why did you settle on that name um remember i mean i when i you know i remember like sitting and trying to come up with names for the business and then latitude became a thing and then all the things that came along with latitude you know latitude 44 it sounded cool and the compass and you know being here on the lake and kind of nautical yeah kind of nautical themed a little bit i mean we're not but it it all kind of just blended well yeah i mean i i just like it because i mean i usually call it just like, I mean, Latitude, but like Latitude 44, Lat, Lat 44. I mean, there's like so many different yeah, variations lot, of people yeah. that will no, say and it. I, and I love hearing all the people call, you know, like, let's go to Lats. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, when I started hearing things like that, that was pretty cool. Um, now, how did you, what was the uh, focus on the design of the restaurant? Because it's a very unique design. At least in our, it's a very unique design. You got the couch set up. You got the bar. You got, like I said, just kind of the decor. You get the fish tank. You get, you know, the cool photo of like the whole staff all like, in, you know, formal attire getting photos done i mean i just think like you walk in there and it feels like you're almost getting transported into like a your own little world that's why i think i like it because it just it feels very intimate you got the open you got the open uh the kitchen or with the where you guys cook like 
you kind of have that open station right there where people can eat right in front of you. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that had to do with just my experiences when I was traveling around, seeing a lot of amazing restaurants and, you know, I, and then creating my restaurant and the design of it, which I did all on my own and, you know, the paintings and the, the artwork and things like that. Uh, I'm always kind of proud of myself with the decor and how it's beautiful. It's not, it's not something that I, you know, ever really knew too much about and it just kind of happened naturally for me. Um, like also when you go in like Christmas time, you guys do a fantastic job. Like it's pretty. It's like at the lights. You got yeah, the, we, you know, we get ridiculous for Christmas. Yeah, you get the trees <laughs> and and uh, like when does that prep start for that? Like say for the holidays, because uh, I mean Christmas is basically six months from tomorrow. So yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean most of the most of the chain stores you'll see that Christmas decorations out soon. Yeah, be, yeah. Uh, right after the get fourth of fireworks are gone. Um, you know, a lot of that we we uh, my. I, that's funny because I often battle with Ashley about this because she wants to put up Christmas decorations like today, um, and I, I have a firm rule: we wait till after Thanksgiving. Okay, that's so, the, that's the same here. So the girls are like, so last year <laughs> Thanksgiving, I think was like a weekend or something. So they didn't want to do it on Monday. Like, can we? I'm like, okay, I'll let you do it on Thursday or Friday prior. Or not Thanksgiving. Sorry, Thanksgiving's a Thursday. It was the last like it was very close to the end of the month. Yeah. Like December first was like. Saturday or something. Yeah, we had a short season this year, yeah, which so, was nice. <laughs> so that was what they were saying. They're like, well, can we do it like the week prior mm-hmm. so we get an extra week? <laughs> I and I love, I mean, I love, I love Christmas, but I'm also like, let's get past Thanksgiving. Like, we don't need to have six weeks of Christmas decorations up. I love Christmas, but it's like, it's a little, I'm not in the Christmas like mood until after Thanksgiving. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, now we can listen to music. I like now Nicole, who works here, she'll start, she'll start playing music in October. Like, I'll walk in and I can hear like jingle bells. I'm like, you listen, it's October 10th. You listen to Christmas music? She's like, yeah, I just got on my Spotify. I'm like, <laughs> so, which is good. I mean, I like it, but I'm, the, yeah, kind of the same, same boat. Um, what makes a company a five-star company or a five-star restaurant? Like, how do you get that designation? Because I've also heard like the Michelin rating. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's ratings out there for Michelin stars. Um, one has to do with hotels and one does with restaurants. Um, we don't see many, you know, those type of people come to Plattsburgh to rate us, which would be pretty cool if they did. Yeah. Um, mostly now we're just rated on Facebook or other things like that. Yelp and all those. Yeah. Those guys, which, which is sometimes nice, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I get a little upset about it cause you have a lot of people out there giving their opinions that might not know too much. And I often find that people that like to talk on those are, they're, they're generally negative, yeah. you know, happy, good people, you know, that enjoy their experiences. They're just happy. They don't, you know, they had a good time and they're done. But like you guys have a good following on social media and like your pages and you're putting the meals out and it looks visually, it looks good too. And I always find it funny. It's like, it's like anything else. If you run a small business, you're going to get people that dislike it. And, and, and I think you're a lot like me. It's, you want everything to be perfect and you want to satisfy everybody. And then when you get a negative review or someone says something negative, you're like, you're almost like, Oh my God, like what? Okay. And then you're like, overanalyze it and sometimes it's just the person it's just like it really is but you know sometimes i wish those people would think about it because i mean throughout my careers i mean if i overcooked a steak or something like that yeah you know i'd go home and still think about that and it'd bother me Mm -hmm. you know as as i've gotten older and you know i'm trying to not let things you know beat me up so much but it doesn't affect me as much now but but i think there's a better way to do it if it it was overcooked it'd be much better just going and being like Hey Dave, like I just want to let you know my steak was kind of over. I ordered medium rare. It was definitely more on the rare side or on the well done, uh, versus going home and being like Facebook, like Dave sucks. He cooked my steak, and it's like, well, talk to me. Like have a conversation. You know, I'm a human. You can come like like 
either I make mistakes or maybe like I cooked it perfect in my head, but maybe it wasn't up to your standards. And I apologize. And, but, yeah, that, and happens that happens too. too. And yeah. um, I just think the keyboard warriors that are going home and like punching, you know, punching the keys and uh, lashing out is usually the people you get. And like, I, I would much rather have someone come to me face to face and say, listen, I didn't like something. I'm like, okay, great. Like, how can we help? Yeah, or definitely. at least to respect it versus, you know, behind, behind the scenes and like blast, especially on a place where Facebook is, you know, I've, I live, I put a lot of stuff on there and live there too, but it's like, it's good and bad. And the problem is sometimes the bad gets amplified and there's always two sides to a story. And I'm always, I take everything with a grain of salt. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll hear them. But I'm like, I'm not going to like, like, I know you, I know your restaurant. And if someone says something bad, I'm like, maybe, but uh, I'd love to hear Dave's side of it. You know what I mean? There's always, there's always the, uh, yeah. And sometimes you, I'd like to give my side, but I've, I've, I've learned. And but then you got I your always, PR hat on. You know, and we we, like, we yeah. just shut our mouth and <laughs> that's it. Well, I think you said the, the ones that really like the restaurant come back and like, and even if you go and have like a meal that wasn't like perfect, it's like, okay, I've had 99 of a hundred meals. Perfect. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, and it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, it's like me, like I've, how many deals I'm maybe I've screwed up something here or there. And I'm like, Hey, bad day, bad decision, whatever happens, you We're know, all human. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted to, I don't know. We actually got like to kind of get off restaurant. Actually, what's your favorite style of food to cook? We talked about like meats, but like, what's your favorite? Um, like, honestly, I mean, uh, you know, I, I enjoy new things. I enjoy learning. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, great that I, I've been this far in my career and I still enjoy learning, but, um, presentation, I really enjoy presentation. Not so much, you know, it's like, how can we make that dish look beautiful? What can we do different? You know, I, I, I often, I mean, I love Pinterest, you know, mm-hmm. I'll go there and look and see what other chefs are doing and be like, wow, you know, let's do that. So what's the main things when it comes from a presentation standpoint? Like what's some things that can enhance the meal that you focus on or, or you like to present as part of the actual food? Um, well, we like our big palettes, you know, we like our big plates and we do like variety of sauces and lots of colors and, you know, we'll think about things like you wouldn't want to do a, a halibut with a cauliflower puree and you, then you're just all in this white, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing really to there's it. no contrast. Yeah. So, we, you know, we like to add a lot of contrast and flavors and textures and, you know, variety of sauces and um, reductions. And well, even when you bring out, um, I'm probably gonna get the name wrong, but like, didn't you have like, was it lamb shanks one time? Oh, beef shank stuff. It was something that you had and it was like, it was a shank of something and it was like piled up and he had stuff piled on top. And when it came out, it was like this little mountain of like deliciousness that like, it looked really good. And you start like stripping it down. You had like whatever, say it was rice or potatoes, like something underneath. And then you had the meat and then you had some stuff on the side and, or on top. And then you had like some garnishes and then you had this, um, you know, maybe some vegetables on the side and you had maybe some sauce drizzled over it, but you comes out and you're like, Oh, this looks really good. Like versus just like, Here's a steak and some French fries and like something else just kind of like thrown on. It's like I can always tell there's thought behind the presentation of it more so than just like even like your um, thing in uh, like your chicken wings. It comes out like on the serve the wooden serving platter. Yeah, and you kind of have it all laid out so when you get it, like oh, this almost looks like too pretty to eat at times. I, try, I often try to do that. Like you, you think of a dish or like what can we do to make it different? Those wooden things that you just spoke of, you know, I, I built those in my basement. And oh, really? That's yeah. Cool. You know, we use a lot of tiles and things like that. I, I try to like get out of the box and do things differently. So um, like when you talk like, uh, like what is, it? is fusion a good word for it? Is that like, because I always think of like Asian fusion, but like you think like where do you like grab different, different, uh, whether it be like a French bistro idea with maybe some kind of like Mediterranean flair, or maybe some kind of 
you know, I, I'm trying to think of different places like around the world that you can kind of merge the merge the tastes and the flavors together. Do you try to do a lot of that? Yeah, we do. I don't really ever get caught up on a certain specific thing. There's a lot of flavors out there that I love. I love curry, you mm-hmm. know, and we use that a lot in a lot of our dishes. And, we'll, you know, we'll definitely throw some things together that aren't commonly paired, but, you know, they work really well together. Um, now, in regards to desserts, you have a de- designated pastry chef, or is that, like, someone that helps you out with it? Um, I mean... It, Right now, I have a, a very talented, driven young lady. She does an amazing job. Uh, I, I, we trained her in the beginning, and she's just taken off, and just she's done a phenomenal job. Um, and then sometimes, you know, if, we're, if we lose an employee, then yeah, I'm back at doing desserts. Um, what was the peanut butter one you did? We Is have a peanut, a peanut butter ball, a peanut butter like dome. Yes, it's yeah. a it's, it's like this peanut butter mousse with a chocolate cake underneath it, and then it's uh, chocolate ganache is poured over the over it to give it that beautiful silky look um that that's really good i remember we got it and gina, gina loved it and then uh my buddy uh, ryan lee's a big fan of your establishment i don't know if you know ryan but he uh he loves going there and he like always sends if he's got like peanut butter he'll like send it to it he knows gina's a peanut butter addict so he'll just like send this picture and then i think we went like maybe i don't know a couple days or a week later and then you guys had some of that and gina absolutely loved it so um the pastry thing is is, is always fun um the what I want to ask you too. So you went to Shazy as a young kid, right? Yeah. What, yeah. What, how long were you at Shazy for? I was there from fourth grade to uh, ninth grade. And then I moved over to Burlington on my own. Like, I was in foster care for a, some time of my younger life, and uh, there was a family in Shazy that uh, they were actually going to adopt me when I was a baby, mm-hmm. and then my mother had changed her mind. But throughout that time, I kept in close contact with them, and often went to their house on the weekends and stayed there and. They were like my second family. The foster family. Yeah, the foster okay. family. And then um, when I hit fourth grade, you know, um, I was a little, I was a little trouble. I wasn't doing well in school, and my mom thought it would be a good transition for me to be there with a nice, stable family. And um, oh, so you moved in with the foster family in fourth yeah, grade? Yeah, I moved in okay. fourth grade, and I stayed there until ninth grade. And then I actually, after that, I moved with one of my buddies to Burlington on my own at, at sixteen. Really? Yeah. Wow, how how was that? I mean, were you obviously working and paying rent and all that stuff? Um, for, off and on. I mean, I met a lot of great families when I was in Burlington. You know, that kind of took me in. We had, at one time we had an apartment, um, and it burnt down, and I pretty much lost everything. And it was a funny story. I was I was talking with a girl in science class about it, and she was like, "My mom's got a room," <laughs> and I didn't even really know her. And then next thing I knew, I I uh, I ended up living with them and. The you know she was a great influence on me because I've always kind of never really thought I could do much and she was a great motivator you know she's like Dave you're going to go to college this you're going to do mother. this yeah um, and she's a pretty influential person over in Vermont um, she was a city council representative for a while and she holds some elective thing now but mm-hmm. um, yeah she was really good and you know I stayed with them for a while and. Then after that, I got a place again, and I was actually, I was the first person in Vermont to be emancipated, um, because I had to be, I, I don't remember the Because of your reason. age? Yeah, because of my age in the school, you needed a residence, and I didn't have family there, and so I got emancipated to stay in high school. Which, really? You know, I always think back to little Dave, and like some of the things that I've been through, and I'm, oh, I was I don't know, arrogant or whatnot, but I'm pretty proud of myself, you know? Yeah. I stayed in high school, which with all the circumstances, you know, most people would have just stopped going. Yeah. I finished high school, I went to community college there for computers, uh, did a couple of years there, and then switched over to culinary school. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think I knew that you went out that young on your own. Yeah. I mean, I knew you were in foster care when you were, you were younger, and I knew you went to Shazy for a time, but um, yeah, that, wow. That, yeah, I, I didn't know that. So when, um, I mean, do you think you were self-motivated? I mean, just kind of like to keep just improving and bettering and, and just kind of get through it and just plug away, like work ethic or just like just grit kind of deal? Yeah, I had, I had really good work ethic, and I'm always preaching to my kids now, like, work, 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 you know. Your, your education will take you so far, and then your work ethic will t- finish it mm-hmm. off. Um, but, yeah, I think um, just the way I grew up, you know, we struggled. We didn't have much money. You know, times were very challenging for us when I, when I was younger, and, you know, I just didn't want that, you know. I, I And having the opportunity to live with some of these families that were really good families established you know doing all the right things and being able to see like wow i want that that's what i want um do you think that uh going to you know going to culinary school was that uh like what, what did that just like when when it happened that just like felt right and it kind of like I, i'm this is my path at that time or was it still because a lot of kids when they go to like try stuff they try it they go to it like you go to culinary school and like i my goal is to do it, but I may not like it. It may like I may kind of do it, but not be fully into it. Or find out I'm not really into cooking, and I want to go somewhere else or do something different. Did you find, you know, you kind of, you know, almost like self put yourself through college or finished it out, and then went to you know community college and went to culinary school? Do you find that like you were constantly like searching, and then finally you just broke through and like this is it, like an aha moment? Yeah, I could definitely get you definitely can say that. I remember you know being pretty concerned with the decision and I was scared, you know, the debt. I mean, well, I mean, I think it was like 60 something thousand dollars for the two years in, in culinary school. So for a little kid <laughs> taking on that, that was pretty scary. But then once the financial aid kicked in and, you know, I've got, got some grants and things like that. And it really became a possibility for me. Um, I was just so excited about it that there was no looking back. I was how, um, how do you learn food? Like, how do you stay up on the industry now? And like, how do you trends? Like you said, Pinterest for visual. Do you watch like YouTube? Do you go try different places? Do you? Yeah, um, I, lo- I love eating out. Um, Ashley and I were, were huge fans of old Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll go there and we'll just walk down the strip and we'll have an appetizer, a glass of wine and, you know, just go off to the next restaurant. We might do that three or four different spots, you know, learning and seeing what other chefs are doing, uh, seeing how they're pairing their flavors, you know, seeing how the service is things that you like, maybe intricate little details that they're doing that you're like, wow, I'd like to bring that to my place. I think that'd be great for my guests. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and, in culinary school, they push that too a lot, you know, constantly keep learning. And I, I, I really, anybody that loves what they do, they're going to anyways. Yeah, exactly. I, I think if, well, you said old Montreal, like old Montreal, it, Montreal's like, might be my favorite city or very close yeah. to the top. I love it. But the thing is like, an hour away, you can almost feel like you're like in Europe. Like it has like a very oh, so international different. flair. So different. And the food down there, I mean, you, like you said, you go down like St. Was it St. Paul? That's the cobblestone one. Like you go down yeah. like that or, or um, uh, just start at that church. and Cardi just, Square. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you kind of just down. like work your way down. And the, and the art galleries and just the culture there. It's so nice. And, it, and it's, and it's not, and it's just, the great part is like you can eat, drink, whatever, have dinner and then drive home and you're in your own bed. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's almost like a trippy time like time span because it's like so quick but you just feel like when you're up there like i just feel like i'm like in a different world right now but it's like so close by um what's your favorite place in montreal do you have one restaurants Uh, not that i can remember i mean i I don't even really pay attention to the names we just whatever kind of looks yeah you know and then by the fourth restaurant we usually you know had four glasses of wine so the uh now when it comes to like wine pairing how does 
do you focus a lot on that? Like, would you guys like make recommendations on what wine goes with what? Because usually when I go, I like wine. Um, so I'm just like, all right, Ashley, I'm going to get this. What goes good with this? And she'll just be like, here, grab this. And it's like, always oh, is good. Yeah. If somebody asks, we'll give a recommendation, but I, I've always been a firm believer that, you know, we don't really get into that too much. You know, if you, if you like a certain type of wine, you know, enjoy it with the food. Um, I know like with steaks and stuff, like I, like one of my favorite wines is I love Chianti, but I like, um, I like cabs. I like, you know, Zinfandels. Those are probably like my, when you start going to like the Merlots and stuff that are a little more dense or a little, like I draw, I like dry wine, wine, but that's kind of heavy for me and I hate sweet wine, but then white wine, like I do like, um, you know, Grigios and I do, um, Chardonnays and things that are kind of more on the, you know, maybe the summer palette where they're a little cooler and cold or colder yeah, or chilled. Um, and usually like fish and a white wine typically goes with fish, but I always find that it does for some reason does taste, taste better. It's a little lighter. Fish is lighter or steak. Like I want it like a, a heavier wine, like especially when you have like, especially like medium rare, you know, like the juices and all the sides and stuff and all the toppings on top. And, um, especially when you get a steak and you have like that, like the crisp on the outside. Yeah. What's that called? Oh, uh, just the caramelization. Of Carmel, the, yeah. yeah. Like, there's something about like cutting into a steak and having like kind of like, like just a Crack crunch, a little, a little bit, bit of a crunch, yeah. and then you just like buttery goes through, and then you just take like it. it it's just all that flavor on there, and and that's from like what the searing, the quick sear, and then the low and slow. Yeah, the high heat that sears it, and you know usually a lot of times you'll you'll get all of that what they call souks in your in your pan from that steak, and then you'll deglaze it with some wine and let that reduce, and finish with some butter or something, and you have a nice little pan sauce. Yeah, it's a capturing all those great flavors. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just think it's like it's such an art form. Um, other question I want to ask. I know I know you're uh, you're into this too. We, we've watched it before, but UFC. Um, do you think GSP is coming back at all? <laughs> yeah, I told you you're the, you're the GSP guy, so I was gonna. I I you know I, I haven't been paying a ton of attention to you know work these days is keeping me pretty busy, but. Um... I would love that. GSP was definitely my favorite. I, I think you know that I, I, I did a clinic with him. No, I didn't. I, yeah, I, I met him. I got did some photos Did you do martial arts before? Yeah, I did. did. I thought you did. did. Okay, yeah, I thought you said did, that. Uh, uh, we did, started with martial arts, and then my brother got into jiu-jitsu a lot, and um, we did that for years um, until my, my kids, and then, you know, kids kind of yeah, <laughs> take away from take everything. They take time, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, I did a clinic over in St. Albans with uh, him and... He held my ankles. Really? Yeah. Pretty cool. How old were you at the time? Uh, I was 24, 25. Oh, okay. So he's a cool dude. I, I like. I think he's a cool dude. Like, he seems like a nice guy. He seems very like respectful, obviously super knowledgeable, but he just seems like he's happy. He just like likes it. No, he's yeah, he's a real good guy. Um, you can tell by the way he talks. He's humble, too. You know, he's yeah. not, he, he doesn't put on the big shows like all, you know some of the other people, and he's just good. Well, I think like that's one of the things. Like, I, again, I like conor mcgregor but he gets like the theatrics into it where you get the guy oh like, he's all show yeah he's all show yeah. and uh when you get when you get a guy like uh even, even when you see like the um who did uh oh dustin like dustin poirier is like like the, when like you get these guys that are trying like connor's john at him and they're just like dude that's not me like cowboy like he's like i don't care like the last couple of fights but then you get like khabib he's just like i don't care i'm going to win and then he's just like and he like drops the mic but i think like khabib still drives around and like a truck like he just like a beat up truck he goes he goes and works and i think i saw one one thing the other day he's like i got water i got bread nothing else i need i'm like this guy's like that's cool i mean i just i'm looking at him like that 
one, there's probably a little bit of screws loose up there because like you're just like so much like survival mode. But this guy just like he's like, I just fight and I like fighting and that's it. I don't care. And you get those guys that are so passionate about it. He's like, I don't care about money. I don't care about anything else. I just want to go fight where Connor's on a yacht and he's doing all this like crazy stuff and Khabib's like showing up in like a sweatshirt and sweatpants and then ends up just like mauling people. Um, but GSP, I think, is like kind of like that kind of a mixture of the two. Definitely more Khabib than, than Connor, but he's got like a little bit more. I'd say a little bit more flair than like he doesn't just show up in like a, a beat up truck, but I do think he's a fun guy to watch. Yeah. I would I would like to see him come back though. Yeah, one one more. I I'd be, I'd be I bet you he comes back. If the money's there. They all come back. I again with him. I don't. I don't. I mean, obviously, unless he doesn't like care. Money, unless but, he doesn't care. You know, but he 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 might, he might have plenty. You know, was, he's done some movies and. Well, the thing with him too, he's still got his wits about him. You know what I mean? Like some of these guys get like to the point where they came and talk, and I'm like, he's still like he's a sharp guy. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, right now the ones, I mean, you got all the guys from Africa that are just like tearing it up right now. It's like insane. I think every single one of them has a belt in multiple ways. Like, um, well, like Naganyu and all those guys, they all have like, I think there's like what three, no, they don't four. I think it's just three belts out of the three guys and they're all from, they're all from Africa and they're just like, can't lose. Yeah. They have the drive to succeed. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, so Dave, is there any other fun facts that we don't know about you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. I'm pretty, pretty standard guy, you know. I, uh, I, work, I work my ass off. I work long hours. Um, I'm very fortunate that we close the restaurant Sunday and Monday, so I have my family days. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three girls and a great wife, and I love being with my family. Have, have you been on the boat recently? We have. We've yeah. been out a f- couple times. Um, we got we got a camping trip coming up for the Fourth of July week. Um, pretty excited about that. Um, just do. Do you get a lot of time to step away from? The, like when you go for that week, do you shut down or do you keep you still keep it open and running? Uh, I'm gonna be taking the week off, but I'll pop in a little bit, you know, to make sure everything's running good, and you know, my phone will constantly be up and <laughs> ringing. Um, we are gonna close down a Tuesday for that week because we're bringing the staff as like a staff appreciation type of event um you know with this all this covid shit that's been going on um they they've been solid for me they've worked they've rolled with the punches and you know this would be a little way to thank them so yeah take them out for a few days and treat them some good meals and yeah i was gonna say you guys are long overdue i know talking with you before about like just covid and just like shutting everything down it's like it's it was I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think obviously it's like a hot button topic for people. I just think that it's, it was a, went a little too far to the point where it's like, I think it just got a little crazy. And, it, and the problem was when you're, you're, you're like strapping people that are trying to make a living and you can't, they can't do what they need to do, especially when you're, you're taking the, uh, the amount of people that you can serve in a day and saying like, okay, and you just shrink it down. It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's like that's there it goes. that's why we decided like right when it happened. I think it was uh, March fifteenth last year. You know they they gave us the notice real quick. It went from um, you know fifty percent capacity to takeout only. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I was I wasn't even gonna you know try to run a restaurant with takeout only. We wouldn't succeed. Um, so, but that was you know I it was great. I mean, COVID was horrible, but having that four months off was amazing because it's I got to spend time with my youngest daughter and yeah you know I was a stay-at-home dad and it was, it was something I've never had the chance to experience and it, I loved it you know I, I got 
so during that time period, it was like a weird time because so Ped wasn't born, but the two younger ones, Oakland had, was turning one, crew was about two, and like just seeing the amount of growth. And I talked all the time about Gina. I'm like, those kids from March of 2020 to now, or even like you know the end of the year or a year later, I'm like. I can't believe that was a year ago. It seems like forever ago, but they had grown so much over that time period, but we got to see them all the time. It was awesome. Like yeah. got to go on walks every day. got to just hang out. Like didn't have to like worry about stressing about going to bed at night or waking up in the morning. It was just kind of like get up, hang out with the kids. Like, you know, you worked kind of here and there, but most of the time was I probably worked half of what I was working normally. Cause it was like, I got my stuff done, but I couldn't see people. So then it was like, great. All that time. And then became family time. I, it was like, it was a great time. I think I don't, we were talking before, like, well, you have the, your girls are older. Like, obviously, it was tough with school, but I think parents of young people or young children, like, it was a good blessing because you get to like spend a ton of time like with them and not have to worry about the school part of it. No, it was amazing. It's just, it was kind of designed the way life should be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, in in order to succeed in this day and age, you have to work hard. Yeah, and you know, you, there are sacrifices that come along with that. That do you find you struggle with that? Um. Sometimes, I mean, you know, depending on where my business is, like right now, fortunately, I have a great staff. I have plenty of staff. And, and now, at, with that being said, I'm t- stepping back from the business a little bit because that could change tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I could be there from open and close every, you know, every day. Yeah. And that, that happens often. So when I have the opportunities to do that, I do. And I, I you know, I think um, that's something I've kind of been able to do over time um you know sometimes with your baby it's hard to let it go mm-hmm. but you know with the kids and stuff like that like you just said they grow up so quick yeah and, you know you, you don't want to miss that i why well, i mean i'm making so i remember a handful of years ago i was like this is before i even met gina I'm like i'm planning on having kids at some point so i was like i'm gonna keep working hard and then when i met gina and we kind of knew that that we were probably gonna you know, stay together long term and end up having a family. I was like, I'd like kick myself in the ass. Like this was probably five, eh, maybe about six years ago. Six years ago, and I was like, okay, I got to really buckle down and like grow this. And uh, I did it for the full purpose of getting to the point where I'm at now, where I can slowly start to leverage myself a little bit, step away in certain aspects. I'm still involved heavily, but I'm involved. Um, I would say in a healthy amount of time, where I'm not like. Like you, I mean, I know you're a grinder. Like you can get up in the morning, business, 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 go to bed and get up and repeat. But then you start adding the family in. And it's like, listen, I'm, I'm consciously taking or giving up opportunities and giving up things because I'm not giving up my weekends or my evenings or, um, and it's tough because you, I, you start setting parameters, like my parameters on certain things. Like I just won't, um, uh, what's it called? I won't, uh, I won't change or won't fold or like, I won't. I put those parameters in place purely because that's what I want in my life. Like you said, with, with like Sundays and Mondays, like I got, I got the girls or like, I'm going to see the girls. That's my thing. It's a family day yeah. doing stuff. And you know, if someone called and said, Hey Dave, I need you to do this on Sunday, Monday, you're like, eh, I'm good. I like, I already got my, my, like I got, you know, four girls in my life that run my life in a good way. Meaning those are yeah. like the center of my world. Like those are my Saturdays and Sundays and that's uh, our Sundays and Mondays. And that's, um, that's how I look at like my Saturdays and Sundays and my evenings. And like I try like Friday evenings. I really try like to get home a little bit earlier and do like the movie night with the kids and um, all the stuff that you anticipate coming. But then when it happens, like you you then look back and like thank God I busted my ass when I did. 
Because I think sometimes people like have regret and they're like, I started that too late. And then like, I think you've done a great job of it. Like with, with the girls or at least with Amira, like, like to the point now, it's like, I see you guys all the time, like, you know, with her. And I, I love it because she's such a cute kid, but it's like, you and Ashley do a great job with her. Like you guys are always there and I see all the cool photos. And of course she's, she's got quite the personality, you know, she does. She, she's uh she's, she's a, she's a cutie, but um, no, it's a lot of, like I said, I'm, I think like the stuff you guys are doing, like with the business and then with the family and stuff, I'm just like a big fan, obviously. And, you know, um, I just think you're doing some cool stuff, especially with, like I said, just kind of intertwining all of it in a, in an area through COVID and everything else. I think, I think it grew a lot in 20, like 2020, 2021, probably for the, probably for the better. I think it kind of like put everybody like kind of threw us curveballs, but I think everybody kind of grew out of it and like got, got a little bit better, a little more resourceful or a little, whatever it might be. Yeah. And learn maybe what's important. Yeah. You know, a little bit more of a certain time with family and things like that and enjoying a little bit more of yourself. So, yeah, it's good. I guess out of all horrible situations, you know, some good comes out of things. Yeah, it's like a silver lining. You find yeah. you find what's good and, and run with it. But, um, all right, Dave, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the train as our, our ending, our send off. <laughs> I always tell people we're, we're really at a train station. So you're going to, it's, and it's, we talk about like editing. My editing is, all right, Dave, ready to go? Start. Like, that's my, that's my cut. And then I'll be like, all right, done, ending. Because I always do it quick. So I'm like, then I don't have to add it into my, my actual cutting later on. I could do it. It's just extra time. So I'm like, just quickly hit the button and we're good. So, uh, Dave, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to check out the restaurant, if they want to, if they have not been, which they're crazy if they have not, but how do they, how, like, when are you open? What hours? Um, anything coming up? Anything that you're excited about, meal wise, special wise, that you have on the docket? Um, we're, we're in the process right now of, uh, Vamping up the menu, changing it a little bit. Um, got some more summertime flair um, drinks and flavors coming out. Need to get in gear and get that going. Um, but so new menu um, and some new drinks, and we are open to uh, Tuesday through Friday for lunch and dinner, and Saturday for dinner. Close Sunday and Mondays, and we do caterings and all kinds of big events. And, and located where? Uh, 5131 U.S. Avenue over by Skyway. Um, nice. Base. Big new sign, lights, everything looks good. Remember you put that up? Yeah, did uh, put that up. And, you know, over COVID too, we did a lot of reconstruction on the inside and definitely enjoyed doing that. I, I love doing construction work. Um, probably would have, if I didn't go culinary, I might be a construction guy. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a creative guy. I, like I said, you got, you got a good mind for that stuff. So, uh, Dave, I appreciate you coming on. If you guys have not checked out Latitude, um, I'm a huge fan. It's it's I think actually my favorite restaurant probably in the local area. We that's where we like to go for like I said when I get when I finally get a a night off without kids. Me and Gina sneak away. That's where we like to go. Um, and Gina harasses you with a bunch of custom orders because she's got the palate of basically a five year old. But that's all right. We love her. So so doesn't Ashley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. That's episode one thirty nine of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.